0: Y'all ready for the word, church? All right, washed by the word, washed by the word. It's a very good, uh, it's a very good bath, amen? When you're washed by the word, the question is, what word are you washed with? Uh, We're going to dive into that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always truth. It's always on time. Thank you for having these people that you have here appointed for this appointed time. Father, may they receive it. May they walk out with a hope. In Christ, may they walk out with a confident expectation of good coming their way because of what Christ has done for them on their behalf. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you, Father. Your word is so powerful that people can just be sitting there and receiving it, hearing it by faith, and even be healed right where they are, Father. We thank you. That's how powerful your word is. So, in this moment when your word is about to be opened up, Father, we receive all that you have for us because you make all things work together for our good. Thank you, Father. For this time, in Jesus' name, let the church say, amen. amen, boy, thank you, Jesus. All right, Ephesians 5, 25, 27, I opened up with the youth Wednesday night and said, this is all about you, and they were like, wait a minute, are you sure you got the right verse, all right? So let me just, let's just start with Ephesians 5, verse 25, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, all right? Judas said, Pop, this ain't for me, dad. Is it, though? Yes, it is. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself. Did he already do that? Did he already give himself? Yes. So that is what Christ has done for us already. What is he doing for us right now? Anybody want to know? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. So right now, so Christ died for us. He gave himself for us. But right now, he's he's sanctifying us and cleansing us by his word. Now, we've been cleansed one time. One time from sin, we are cleansed. Amen? We're cleansed by the blood of Jesus. But we have to be very mindful, no pun intended, that we are cleansed each and every day. We got to know it because Satan, the world, even you yourself, will tell yourself you don't deserve forgiveness because you're basing it on the way you act. And man, if we were perfect, let me just tell you, we wouldn't need Jesus. And the fact that we're all imperfect, Christ's perfection came upon us and made us perfect. We need to be reminded of that every day. That's what Christ is doing. He's reminding you that he is your holiness and he is your justification. Amen? And he does that by the water of the word. How many of you guys, man, this ain't to condemn you, but just think about it. How many times during the week are you involved in the word? I get a thing on my, 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 my phone now, and it tells me my screen time on my phone. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, wow, it is amazing how much time we spend on our phones. <laughs> Amen? But, but I want to clarify, I'm in my Bible app all the time. I see some of y'all judging a brother. Look, I'm always studying that. Man, I love the Greek, the Hebrew and all that. Now I do get on whatever I'm on uh, ESPN, man. I I try to see what the signals are doing to try to get better. Um, There's there's, there's stuff on there that I'm on, you know, but how many times this is not to condemn you, but how many times are you in the word? How many times are you being washed by the word and how important is that? It's a gentle, loving reminder, man, that the word is so powerful, guys. It's so powerful. All right? So he's washing us by the water of the world. word. Why? That he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Now, people will take that last part and say, man, you got to do something better in order to be presented before God, holy and without blemish. But hold on a second. Who's doing all the work here? <laughs> yeah. So so Christ himself gave himself, right, for us, that he might sanctify us. When people say you got to be holy, you say, no, Christ made me holy. I'm as holy as I'm going to be because I have all the Christ I'm going to have. Amen? Amen? Christ is your holiness. Um, where was I, man? Oh, and cleanse, and cleanse her. He's cleansing us. He's cleansing the church. He's sanctified us. He's cleansing us by the washing of the word that he's presenting us to himself. He's doing all the work. Don't let people take that and put it on you. It has nothing to do with you outside the fact that he loves you. Amen. He's doing all the work. That's good news. But you still got to do something. Yeah. How's that helping? How's that working? Not, it doesn't work when you try to please the Lord. When you start resting the fact that he's pleased with you, then you please the Lord. Because now you're putting it all on Jesus. It's because of him that God is well pleased in me. Amen? Amen. That should take some pressure off of you. And then when you realize that you're not condemned, that you've been justified by Jesus and not your actions, now that gets you to a place where you can start doing some things for the Lord and it won't feel like you're doing anything for him. It won't be work. Amen? Amen? All right. So let's go to Numbers 19. Getting closer to Easter time, man, Resurrection Sunday, we're going to be diving into some of those old sacrifices. This is found in, no- in, in November 19. Numbers 19. I wanted the title the thing, the red heifer. But that has a, a, a connotation of something bad, right? Miss Jackie says she used to use that term all the time. I ain't throwing you under the bus. What'd you say? What? Redheaded heifer, right? Yeah, so when I was growing up, heifer was not a good thing to call somebody. Certainly not a good thing to call somebody. Amen? So that's why the message is a little more back. But this is the sacrifice of the red heifer. Just feels good to say heifer in church sometimes, man. All right, verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, this is the ordinance of the law. Which the Lord has commanded, saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish in which there is no defect and on which a yoke has never come. Who do you think this red heifer represents? Uh, Sacrifice is always going to be somewhere in that sacrifice is a picture of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So we have the red heifer here. The and it's without blemish, without blemish. Jesus had no sin and I love this part right here, in which there is no defect. Did Jesus have any sin in him? None. The Bible says he did no sin, had no sin, knew no sin, right? see and now it's different. It says in which there is no defect and on which So inward, no defect, outward, no defect. on which there is no yoke. He's not slave, he's not a slave, he's free. Christ is free on the inside. He's free on the outside. Amen? Today, so are you. Because he became your sacrifice. This whole chapter is about Jesus, I'm telling you. They didn't know it back then. We know it now. We have that great benefit to be able to look back. This is 2 Corinthians 5.21. Whenever you see something there, you want to back it up with Scripture. Amen? For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Today, because of him taking our sin, we took his righteousness. You say, hey, how can I be righteous when I still have sin? Well, how could Jesus be sin when he was completely righteous? He was taking our place. And he did a great job, amen? He's the only one that could do it. That's why he had to be without blemish on the inside and out. Does that make sense? Good, because I ain't got time to go back. All right, November, if you want to go back. We'll talk sometime this week. Ask those people that have tried to reach out to me. <laughs> it gets it. Life gets crazy, amen. Don't have me up here defending myself. Verse three: You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, the priest, the priest, the priest. priest Eleazar the priest, that he may take it outside the camp. Where was Christ crucified? Outside the camp. They took him outside the walls. Mount Calvary is outside the walls of Jerusalem. OK, um, and it shall be slaughtered before him. And Eleazar the priest, shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times directly in front of the tabernacle of the meeting. So he would take some of the blood of the red heifer and he would sprinkle it seven times, indicating what? That where he's standing is perfection. Seven is the number of perfection. So he does that seven times. So now he, where he's standing, it's, it's perfect. Everybody understand? God has a plan for all this stuff. It's all about Jesus. That's what I love about it. All right? Um, so you see the high priest here, and it's talking about the red heifer. Do you guys know it also talks about this in Hebrews? Right? So let's go to Hebrews 9, uh, starting in verse 9. Your bulletin will say verse 12, I think, but I want to up a few verses. That's what happens when I read it. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered which cannot make him who performed the services perfect in regard to, not actions, conscience, a sin conscience. God doesn't want you to have a sin conscience. And those past sacrifices could never make you perfect in your conscience. Because every year there would be a reminder of sin. You would be forgiven for one year, but there's always a reminder. Hey, I'm still a sinner. I got to go back and do it again. Yom Kippur, every year got to bring a sacrifice, right? Well, Christ was the final sacrifice, church. We don't have to do that anymore. And that's what this is talking about, right? Uh, Concerned only with food and drinks, various washings. Keep that in mind. And fleshly ordinances. Remember he said this is the ordinance of the law. Imposed until the time of reformation. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come. Good things to come, church. Is he high priest today? Yeah, he's a high priest of good things to come. Listen, don't get so bogged down by everything that's going on in the world and it makes you feel like everything's against you. If Christ is for you, who can be against you? You got to know that there's good things coming. Anytime something bad happens, there's good things coming. What, when we get to heaven? No, God's going to bless you here. That's what the word says, church. We can only, it, it, it depends on what you're focusing on. What water are you into? Are you into the water of the world? The water of the old covenant? Are you bathing in the water of the new covenant? So uh, the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, right? N- not, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, and having obtained eternal redemption. Say eternal. eternal. Redemption. redemption. That means... You are forgiven forever. You have eternal forgiveness because of the blood of Christ. That's good news. Sometimes we forget. We're only forgiven up until we confess. Uh, no, that's not the case, man. You are forgiven by the blood of Jesus, not by your confession of sin. Think about that. You're not forgiven because you confess your sin. You're, com- you're forgiven because you confess Jesus. That's how you become a Christian. The Bible doesn't say, Confess your sins. The Bible says confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. In other words, he's alive today. You shall be saved. Nowhere in Paul's epistles, nowhere in his 13 letters does he talk about confession of sin. That should tell us something. Amen? People get tripped up by one verse. They forget the rest of the word. Crazy. And I used to do that. I ain't banging on people. That used to be me. Amen. Used to be him. We ain't perfect, but we sure close. I'll start turning blue if I hold it in too long. Woo, all right. Um, Where was I, Dwayne? (laughs) Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. Oh, yeah, eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the, purif- the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve a living God. So how does Jesus cleanse your conscience from dead works? What is dead works? In the context we just saw earlier, it's, it's not having a sinful conscience. It's not being sin conscience. It's being savior conscience. It's knowing that Jesus paid the price for you. Because if you have a a sin, if you have this consciousness from dead works here, what that means is you're still trying to earn your forgiveness. You're still trying to earn your reward from God. You are under the law when you do that. But that's why it's it's contrasting that. What was the old ordinance into what Jesus is now? Who we are now because of what Christ did. Alright, Numbers 19, go back. Then the heifer shall be burned in its sight. In its sight, its hide, its flesh, its blood, and its offal shall be burned. What is the question going through everybody's mind right now? What's an opal? I'm glad you asked. Have to be real careful here. It's crap. It's crap. It's dung. That's literally what it means. It's dung. It's dung. Say dung. And it's dung shall be burned. Anybody feel like they got a lot? Anybody ever say, man, I just got a lot of crap in my mind right now. (laughs) All
1: right,
0: check this out. Philippians 3, 4, Paul says this. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh. Flesh is self-effort. That's what it is. I more so circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning the law. He's a Pharisee, man. That's unbelievable. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I counted loss for Christ. Yet, indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom... I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That's dung. That's literally what it means. So people will say, man, see this verse right here? You've got you to throw away everything for Jesus and count it as loss. Anything in the world, you got to count it as loss. The music, what your dreams, your hopes, your desires, just submit to the Lord. That's not what Paul's saying. here. Don't let people take that last verse out of context. He's saying that all my performances by the law to be pleased by God, I counted as crap. That's what he's saying, right? It's not saying you got to get rid of everything, go sell your car, go sell your house, live in a hut. That's not what it's saying. He's saying that all that stuff he used to be to try to be closer to God by the law, he counts as dung. Do you see it? All right, go back to numbers. So that's why it says that the heifer was burned, even its dung. All that stuff, all your self-effort, that's what that dung represents. To God, that's what it represents. Because you're neglecting what Jesus did for you. All right? So go back to 6. And the priest shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and scarlet and cast them into the midst of the fire burning the heifer. Then the priest shall wash his clothes. He shall bathe in water. And afterwards, he shall come into the camp. The priest shall be unclean until evening. What does that mean he's unclean he just bathed he just washed why is he still unclean he's unclean until evening what happens at evening what happens at three o'clock in the jewish calendar the sacrifice the final sacrifice of the day three o'clock when was christ crucified church when did he die on the cross three o'clock the final sacrifice that's that this is a picture of jesus why is the priest still unclean even though he bathed? He's unclean until the final sacrifice of the day. That's what makes him clean, the blood. Not him bathing. The blood makes him clean. Isn't that interesting? Every, anytime you see evening, uh, you'll see that that means 3 o'clock in the Jewish calendar. It's when the, uh, the final lambs were, uh, were sacrificed. All right. Um, <clears throat> and the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water, bathe in water. This whole thing's about water okay not about the blood this whole thing is about the water the water of Jesus' sacrifice are you with me by his blood we're completely forgiven but why is the water so important why right and the one who burns it shall wash his clothes in water bathe in water and shall be unclean until the evening sacrifice right then a man dang thank you lord thank you lord then a man who is clean shall gather up the ashes, say ashes, ashes, say it again. So it's about water and ashes. I want you guys to see this. Well, we'll gather up the ashes of the heifer and store them outside the camp in a clean place, and they shall be kept for the congregation of the children of Israel for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. This water in these ashes. Is for the purifying of sin. This is Old Covenant, man. This is what everybody had to do. Can, can some of y'all start to see what what Christ is doing? With how this is about Jesus? Ashes and water. And it's for the purification of sin. Awesome, right? And the one who gathers the ashes of the heifer shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It shall be a statute forever to the children of Israel and to the stranger who dwells among them. He who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean for seven days. He shall purify himself with the water on the third day, say third day. And on the seventh day, say seventh day, seventh day, then he will be clean. Then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third day and on the seventh day, he will not be clean. Now, just take a second and read that verse in your own, in your own head. Very, very good. This is a old covenant sacrifice under the law. Third day. First of all, this is what it means. Third day. When did Jesus rise from the dead? Third day, right? When Christ comes back to earth, it'll be a day of perfection for those who believe. Third day and seventh day. Everything in the Bible has a meaning, Church. I'm telling you, when you study the Bible, study it under the guise of what does this have to do with Jesus? Because everything is about Jesus. On the road, on the road uh, uh, to, to, after Jesus rose from the dead, he's he's walking on the road to Emmaus, and he's talking to his two disciples. And he it says that he went back and expounded everything in the Scripture, starting in Moses and the prophets that pertain to him, Jesus. That's what he wants us to do today. We, he wants us to go back. Into the, the five books of the first five books of the Bible, Moses, the law, and, and all the prophets, which is everything else in the Old Testament, and pull out everything that's about Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. And when you do that, you have life. You're like, wow. It really is about Jesus. Amen? So, look at this. Third day. Third day, Christ rose. That means if you believe that Jesus rose, seventh day, and you believe he's coming back, you'll be made perfect for that day. See? You will be purified. You will be clean on that day. Ready to go to heaven, right? So I wrote that down. Those who believe the finished work of Jesus will be ready on his return. Do you believe, church? Do you believe that on the third day Jesus rose? And do you believe that one day he's coming back again? There you go. Why? Why would he be coming back? Because he's alive today. If you believe, if you confess with your mouth Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, He's coming back. You're saved. Amen? Beautiful. All right. Numbers 13 and 18. Whoever touches the body of anyone who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person shall be cut off from Israel. He shall be unclean because the water of purification was not sprinkled on him. His uncleanness is still on him. This is the law when a man dies in a tent. All who come into the tent and all who are in the tent shall be unclean for seven days. So now we're going to go into the law of people that die and things that die. OK, uh, and every open vessel, even if you had an open jar in your house, in your tent, it was unclean, which has no cover fastened on it is unclean. Whoever uh, in the open field touches one who is slain by a sword or who has died or even a bone of a man or a grave. If you touch a grave, right, shall be unclean for seven days. And for an unclean person, they shall take some of the ashes of the heifer burnt for purification from sin and running water shall be put on them in a vessel. So a mixture of the water and the ashes will make you clean. Think about that. A clean person shall take hyssop and dip it in the water, sprinkle it on the tent and on the vessels, on the persons who were there or on the one who touched a bone, the slain, the dead, or grave. That's how you become purified. Sprinkling from a clean person with the water mixed with the ashes. So check this out. You can't burn ashes. They're final. You, (laughs) you, you, You can't get rid of ashes. They're burnt. They're final. Amen? So ashes speak to the finished work of Jesus. His body burned, his body broken on that cross on our behalf. Amen? It's his ashes, the finished work of Jesus. So a clean person is a saved person. A clean person is someone who knows who they are in Christ. And we take that message. What message do we take? What what are we washing people with? What water are we washing them with? Water is the word of God. Ashes is the finished work of Jesus. So whatever message we're sharing, it has to be a message of the finished work of Jesus. That's what we wash people with. That's called the gospel. Anything else is old covenant. Old covenant doesn't change people. It locks people up. It it bounds people. The law binds people. But what Christ did, he set you free. Free from what? Sin? No, we still sin. He set us free from the penalty, the judgment of sin. That's what he did. We're still going to sin. We're still going to mess up because we're in this world. This world is evil, but we're not of it. How can we be justified in saying we're in this world, but not of it? Knowing what we do, because the blood of Jesus made us that way. It's the water. Now, the blood's already on us, church. We're forgiven. But what word are we washing ourselves with every day? Some people say, come and we'll wash you with the word. But the washing of the word, when they say that, is not always the truth. It's old covenant. It's not for us today. Amen. Here's a here's a uh, let's finish up here. Then the clean person shall sprinkle the unclean on the third day and on the seventh day and on the seventh day he shall purify himself, wash his clothes and bathe in water and at evening he shall be clean. When Christ died at three o'clock, the final sacrifice. He cleaned us all. He cleansed us. He cleansed us. When Jesus was washing Peter's feet, he's washing Peter's feet, right? Washing them, and Peter said, "Lord, are you washing my feet?" And Jesus goes. That's what we think, right? He's like, yes, what I'm doing, what I'm doing right now, you don't understand, but you will. What was he doing? He was washing his feet. And what he's saying is, it's not about the foot washing. That's not, we don't need to have a foot washing tonight to humble ourselves. It's not what it was about. I don't like feet. You wash your own feet. (laughs) I'm pretty humble, but I ain't washing your feet, right? You don't have to prove that to anybody. That is about something different. In other words, he says, What I'm doing now, you won't understand, but you will. Right? And, and Peter said, Hey, not just not just my feet. Because he said, Because he said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you you have no part with me. And Peter said, Well, then not just my feet, wash my head, my shoulder, everything. Get my back, all that hair, get all that. And Jesus goes, Yo, bro, I ain't doing that, right? <laughs> no, he didn't say that. He said, He said this. He said this. You are already clean. You just need to wash your feet. Why? The Bible tells us in Genesis. Satan was represented by the snake and and God cursed the snake and said, On your belly you shall go and dust shall be your food. So when, when people back in the day were walking around in their sandals, guess what? Dust got on their feet. And they had to wash their feet before they went into a house. Right? So dust today is Satan's food. Satan's always nipping at you. He's always nipping. Here, you're clean, but he's always nipping at you. You got to know, you got to know that in Christ, he has completely cleansed you. That's what those stories are for. We got to be reminded of that, church. Amen? So, check this out. What water are you bathing in? That's a beautiful question. It's one that I ask myself often. What are we bathing in? Are we still condemning ourselves? Or are we receiving the forgiveness that has been paid for? Right? Here's an example this is in Matthew 6. 14 and 15, right? For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That tripped me up. Because I'd be walking around going, man, there's some people I haven't forgiven. And I would even, like, see them in church and be like, yeah, there's one right there. Right? You you just don't forgive them. And then you're like, man, if I can't forgive them, then God isn't forgiving me. And Jesus said that. That's in red letters. He said that. But here's what I love about our youth group. I got to say, "Hey, what's wrong with this verse?" And you know what they said? This was before the cross. This was before the cross. Because what does Paul say? Paul says in Ephesians 4:32, "And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you." Something happened? Between what Jesus said and what Paul said, something happened, and it was the cross. That the more we know we're forgiven, now we can forgive people. Instead of trying to forgive people and trying to be forgiven by God. When you know you're forgiven, you become a forgiver. Because you know what you've done. And if God can forgive you, you can forgive others. Amen? here's another one bearing one another bearing with one another forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you church that's past tense you're not trying to you're not gonna be forgiven based on whether you forgive somebody you are forgiven now forgive somebody the church got it backwards man when you know you're forgiving you can forgive people amen so in Matthew 26:28 for this is my blood of the New covenant say New Covenant Why is it new? That means something was old. Jesus is putting a new covenant in, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. That's the new covenant. The new covenant is we've been forgiven. We're forgiven by his blood. There's nothing you can do except thank him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Example number two, John 15, 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Jesus said this, you are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Wouldn't it behoove us to know what that word was? What did Jesus do to make them clean by speaking over them? Anybody want to know? This is verse what? Three. That means there's two other verses in front of it. Now, I didn't didn't do real well math. But am I right in saying that? So you want to go back. Right? And read it in context. Verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Say, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Say, "prunes," prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Now, people take that verse right there, and they say, hey, man, if you don't start doing some stuff for the Lord, he could take you away. He could prune you, and if you're a dude and you think about being pruned, it's not a good vision. Can I get an amen? Thank you. Now I'm not the only one who thinks like that, right? Prune. Now you read that verse, you think, "Whoa, I got to start doing some stuff because I don't want God to take me out. I don't want God to prune me. That sounds bad." But what we got to do is we don't take the the English is not the Holy Spirit breathed word. It's the it's the uh, Hebrew in the Old Testament and it's the Greek in the New Testament. Sometimes these words can take away from the meaning. The word take away there, guys, is is not take away like he takes it away. It literally means to lift up. Now, that makes a that's a little better, isn't it? Nobody wants God to take him out. He lifts you up. Look. Every branch in me that does still you're still in them, you're still in them. If you're in Christ and you're not bearing fruit, he doesn't take you out. He lifts you up. That makes good <laughs> that, that gives you hope and you think about the vine dresser thing. keep it in context. The, and, and when you're growing vines for grape or for wine and stuff and there's a branch that falls down. what happens when it falls to the ground? What happens to the branch? It gets dusty. It gets dusty. So what does he do? He lifts it up. He lifts it up. What does he do? He washes it with the water of the word and then puts you back up there. He lifts you up. That's what that verse means. Now that makes a difference. I'm like, I like that. I don't want God to take me out, but if he's going to lift me up, I'll take that." that. That's what it means. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. I had an issue with that. Ain't nobody pruning me. What does the word prune mean? He cleanses. He doesn't cut you up. That's what I thought, guys. If you read it like me, it means he cleanses of filth and impurity. That's your sin. He cleanses of filth and impurity. To prune trees and vines from useless shoots, metaphor, from guilt. From guilt. So if you're a vine, you're you're in him, and you're not producing fruit, it's because of guilt. And what he does, he lifts you up, and he cleanses you of that. He cleans you. He cleans you of your, your guilt, your shame. It's not for you. Now, isn't that beautiful? I'm like, why didn't they just write that? Why do they got to add stuff, like cutting people up? I don't get it. <laughs> so now it goes right in the sand because of those two Two verses before that, he says you are already clean because of that word which I spoke to you. Just like that. From verse 2 to verse 3, they were clean. How? Because Jesus told them, when you don't bear fruit, I'm going to lift you up and I'm going to water you with the washing of the water of the word and it's going to cleanse you. It's going to be a cleansing word. And when you are cleansed, you will be producing fruit. He doesn't cast you aside and throw you away, cut you up and say you're no good. What he does is he lifts you up, reminds you who you are. There's no condemnation for you, church. There's no guilt. There's no shame. And when he lifts you up and reminds you of that, now you're able to go produce fruit. That makes sense. Dang it. So like, we should keep going, man. Y'all, like, please don't, I'm hungry. Listen, hey, if you are very thankful for the fact, in fact, if you know right now, just from sitting here, that you are not condemned by God, that you have there's no guilt, there's no shame for you, just from sitting under this word, would you stand up and give Jesus a hand? Like, 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 like he's right here. That's why, that's why it's important to be washed by the word. Not just any word. Don't let people put you back in bondage. Not Paul said, who has bewitched you? Who's brought this stuff back in, this law back into you? Man, the Bible says we are under grace. And if you're under grace, sin will have no dominance in your life. Sin will have no dominance in your life. By the law is the knowledge of sin. That's what the Bible says. If you take away the, 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 the law, you take away the power of sin. And that's the water that we need to be washed with. We need to be washed with the water that says, hey, there's no more guilt for you. There's no more shame for you. I know what you did in your past. You know what you did in your past. Doesn't matter. Your past doesn't dictate what I have for you in the future. You just get up and start walking with me. Start trusting me. And, and at the enemy and even in yourself, if you focus on your dead works, trying to get right with God by your own actions, man you'll be stuck there forever. Trust me, I was on my way. Anybody else? But the moment you realize what Christ has done for you, man, that gives you the power to walk in boldness in spite of your sin. The world needs to see that we are sinners. and then they need to see that we have hope in spite of our sin. No, they can't see that we're sinners. That's worked so great over the last hundred years. Let them know that we're just like them. That we sin just like they sin. But we have a hope because we're covered by the blood. There's no condemnation for me. What I do doesn't make me deserving. What he did makes me deserve everything. I have the blessings of Abraham right now. Notice it doesn't say you have the curses of Abraham. Jesus took that part. We have the blessings of Abraham in our coming, in our going, whatever, in our storehouses. We have the blessings. And it's not because of us. It's because of Christ. We got to know that, church, that you're not blessed when you leave here because of you. You're blessed because of what Christ did for you. Don't let the world take the hope away. This is your lot in life. This is what you got to do. Or... For me, what he's been hammering, the world's been hammering me is, is what are you going to do to make it better? When I should be resting in the fact that he's going before me already to make it better. How many of you glad your pastor's still learning? Are you blessed? Cause I can keep doing this. I'm going to bring Pastor Dwayne up and save y'all. Actually, Christ saved y'all. <laughs> hey, if you need prayer... find us. We'll pray with you. We'll anoint you with the oil. We will. We'll pray for you. We'll remind you who you are, what's been done for you. If if you're looking to join the church, this is who we are. It's what we believe. There's no going back for either of us. This is wherever we go. This is what we believe. And more importantly, if there's anyone in this room that doesn't know who Jesus is, man, that that can't be. If, If you've been sitting in this room, you know who Jesus is now. You know who he is. And, and if you want to come down and just say it with your mouth, pray a prayer, you don't have to confess your sins. But that's not how you get saved. We went over that already. You confess Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We'd love to, we'd be honored to have that opportunity to do that with you guys. But uh, Pastor Duane going to pray us out with a blessing. And you just receive it by saying Amen.
1: Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, your word is so good. We just thank you, Lord, for what we just heard. Thank you for reminding us of who we are and and whose we are. And thank you for reminding us of what you've already gone before us and done. Thank you for the word that you've spoken out over us, the word that you've spoken to us, that has cleansed us, that has washed us, that has renewed us, has caused us to be refreshed, Thank you, Father, for the work that you continue to do in us. Thank you for the blood of Jesus, the body of Jesus. Thank you for all that you have already laid out from the foundations of the world. Thank you, Father, for just the blessing of knowing you and having personal relationship with you through Jesus. We thank you, Father, for your word just falling fresh on us and for giving us revelation upon revelation understanding, causing us to grow in knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of who you are and what you've done, what you've already accomplished, so that we can die to dead works and live in the work that you have already done. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to strive anymore, but we can simply rest. We can rest as we receive, as we hear, as we believe your word. It brings about comfort. It gives us hope. It reminds us of the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, as we leave this place, Lord, we leave equipped with that word, equipped with that assurance, equipped with that hope. And we thank you, Lord, for blessing us. And I speak life over this congregation. Every person that walked into this place this morning who sat upon your word, whether there were children in the classroom or in this congregation, Lord, I speak life over them. I pray, Lord, that as they leave this place, they leave blessed, they leave changed for the better. And we thank you, Lord, that we we don't have to allow the world to overtake us, to overcome us. For you have made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loved us. And so, Father, we leave this place victorious with hope, knowing that our future in you is bright. We bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. Amen. We are dismissed.